Hi, this is Pastor Curtis. I want to thank you for checking out the Family Church Podcast. I hope it encourages you and inspires you to take your next step of faith. You can find out more about how to do that at our website, familychurch.xyz. And if you know a friend who needs to hear this message, please forward it on to them. I hope you enjoy the message. So James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. We're going to go in here. And the title of this heading in some of your Bibles, it might say faith and, and works, or it might say faith versus deeds. And um, to that, that, that debate of faith versus deeds comes the, the title of my message, which is yes and yes. So let's go ahead and take a look at James chapter 2, starting at verse 14. We're going to read down through 26. James says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, it is, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good, even the demons believe that, and they shudder. And then James goes right in here. He says, you foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham, he points to the father of faith, was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. His faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. How many of you want to be called God's friend? What a wonderful title that we could, that we ourselves could, could claim that we are God's friend, that we are a friend of God. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way as Abraham was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous. Now hold up. I almost made it all the way through. The author is going to tell us, he's going to put two people together that on the surface have zero business going together. We're talking about James. We're talking, James is talking about Abraham. We're talking about Abraham, the father of our faith. That makes sense. Yes, yes. Now think of all the people that did great and mighty works for God that he could point to. We're talking about people that took action of faith and by their deeds, they showed their faith. And he skips all of the people and he goes to Rahab. And it says, Rahab the prostitute. You know what Rahab did? Rahab was in the city of Jericho. Rahab had an inn in Jericho, and the Israelites came, and they stayed at her house. And Rahab said, you know, your God is the God. Isn't that funny how God can reveal himself to people that are still living in their mess? Isn't it funny how people can still be working through some things, and yet they can still know that's God? You know, there are people that are not here at church this morning that they are working through some issues, they are working through some things in their life, but they know that God is God. And what they need to do is they needed to come to their next step, which is to come to church where they can be a part of a church community where they can find healing and where they can find freedom, where they can step into all of God's purpose that they ha- he has for them. And that's what family church is all about. Rahab the prostitute. It's amazing. The story of Rahab 
they, they, she keeps them safe. She saves their life. And, and she says, can you save me from the destruction? Because she knows what's about to happen. She knows that God is about to wipe out the city of Jericho. And they said, Rahab, you can be saved from destruction, but this is what you got to do. You got to put this red cord. This red rope has to hang out your window. Now, why does the text tell us that the, the rope was red? The cord was red. It's almost like the red is pointing to Jesus. The cross that was red from the blood of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus is our saving us from destruction and bringing the day of salvation for us. Rahab. Did you know Rahab shows up in the genealogy of Jesus? It says Rahab right there in Matthew. In the genealogy of Jesus, it says the name Rahab. Did you know Rahab shows up in Hebrews chapter 11? And so you gotta wonder, what is it about Rahab, the harlot, that keeps showing up in the Old Testament? Matthew, James, Hebrews. And all the times it says Rahab the prostitute, to which Rahab is in heaven, and she says, actually, that's not my last name. You, know, you could just take, that part kind of hurts my feelings. You could take it off. And yet the divine scriptures, it still has that after her name. Why? Why, God? And God says, because I, I see your past, but your past does not disqualify you. You can still be saved by grace. You can still be saved for a purpose, for a good work that I have planned for you. How many of you are glad that our past does not disqualify us? In fact, we can be saved from the day of destruction and we can be used by God and step into the purpose that he has for us. Can we just put our hands together and thank God for the grace that no matter what our past is, we can step into the purpose that he has for us? I could keep preaching right here, but I gotta get back to my text. Was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. And, it, you know, the, there's this debate that happens, and, and, and it seems like sometimes James and Paul disagreed because Paul said this in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verses, starting at verse 8. He said, uh, Paul said, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works. And so, oh, is this a contradiction? Are, are, are Paul and James disagreeing? Is there a split here, where they are, are disagreeing, is there, a, is there a disagreement in the text? Let me, let's, let's, let's keep reading. So that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, James and Paul are not disagreeing. In fact, if you look at the root word, the word that James used for works, if you go down to the Hebrew, what he's really saying, he's, he's talking about obedience, He's talking about obedience, and he's saying that faith without obedience to God is dead. And so they're pointing to the same thing, that God saves us by grace, through faith, for good works. And it's impossible to please God without our faith and also without our obedience. God says, I, I, I don't want your sacrifice, I want your obedience, Here's what James knows. James knows that if the church, the family of God, is divided, if they are separated by some of these issues that can so easily separate us, then we're going to struggle to carry out the mission if we're not united. And he knows that if we are divided, then you know who's going to pay the cost for a divided church? A world that is lost and broken and needs the church to love them and point them to Jesus. And so James says, we cannot have these, these things that are dividing us. We need to make an effort to be united 
in our faith. The enemy from day one has been trying to polarize the church. From day one, the enemy's strategy is he wants to divide the church. He wants to divide and have the people of God arguing over things instead of on mission together to carry out the work that Jesus has given his church. And so we have all of these things where we we take sides. Did you know that it's easy to take sides? It's easy. We take sides all the time in these debates that we have divide us. I remember back when I was a kid, it seemed like we lived in a more united country. Or you could think back to after 9-11, how 9-11 seemed to be this galvanizing moment where the country was united. And as terrible as 9-11 was, and as tragic as it was, in the aftermath of 9-11, you kind of remembered how much the country was united. And you kind of longed for those moments where we seemed to be together. But so easily we we become polarized, we become divided, we become, we face off against each other in all of these different areas. Do you remember the dress? Was it white and gold? Or was it black and blue? We become divided, we become separated. There's a shouting match going on in the house. How can you see black and blue? It is clearly white and gold. What about we got? We got early birds versus night owls, and usually they marry each other. Which one are you? Are you the early bird or are you the night owl? Then every fall, once a year, we got the pumpkin spice debate that rolls around. Is it amazing and delicious, or is it terrible? We got the Jayhawks versus the Wildcats. We got Spider-Man. Who's the real Spider-Man? Is it Tobey Maguire? Is it Andrew Garfield? Is it Tom Holland? Tell me who you think Spider-Man is, and I'll tell you about how old you are. (laughs) What about this? Do aliens exist? This is a new one. (laughs) Not a new one. It's a new one that's coming back around. We're talking about aliens now. Are are, Are aliens real? Do they exist? What's out there? Bigfoot, these things, yes, no. And then this is the last one, and I know some of you are going to leave the church after this one. Was there room for Jack on that door? We become divided. When it comes to our faith, it's, it's faith versus deeds. It's spiritual versus service. It's prayer versus the, the practical. It's discipleship versus evangelism. It's, 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 it's your attractional versus your missional. It, it's, a, it's there's conviction versus compassion. It's, it's grace versus truth. It's worship versus works. It's belief versus behavior. I could go on and on. These are the debates that the church has and they become divided over. And churches flit, and new denominations start, and the church can't seem to agree on all of these things, and, and, and we become separated, and we become divided. And you know what Jesus would say to every single one of those sides? Jesus would say yes, and yes, he was 100% full of grace, he was 100% full of truth. It's easier to pick a side, but sometimes Jesus says you need to be both. Now there are, to be fair, there are some things where it's a hard no where you should be on the right side. And and Jesus will give you conviction and the Holy Spirit will lead you to stand on the right side. That's true. But there's a whole lot of things where Jesus is asking you to be full of grace 
and full of truth. To be fully spiritual, but also to be fully service. To to be full of conviction, but also to be full of compassion. When I, when I came to Christ, um, you know, he, he, my story was I grew up in church. I remember when I was in middle school, my dad would say, I'll give you $50 if you will read the Bible all the way through in a year. So I got the one-year Bible reading plan, and guess what? I read my Bible all the way through in a year because I wanted that $50. That, that was, this was in the 90s. $50 was a lot of money in the 90s. And so I grew up coming to church every single weekend. We had night services back then, so Sunday morning and Sunday night. So I'm reading my Bible. I, I can't even count the number of times where I've read the Bible all the way through. I mean, I'm not that old. I could count the number of times, but you know what I mean. So I'm reading my Bible. I'm reading my scripture. I remember in high school, I started a Bible study. And so I, 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 there was a real faith um, roots in my life where I had experienced the, the, the presence of God, where I knew the truth. And that's why it's so painful for me to talk about the, the moments where I decided to rebel, the moments where I decided to walk away. And in those moments, I was deceived. I was deceived into thinking that I could, um, I could find my own happiness outside of the will of God. And I probably, in those moments, I probably thought that God would still forgive me in some different things, but I was, I was planning my sin. Have you ever planned your sin? Have you ever like put your sin on your calendar and like paid a lot of money to go do your sin? Because I did. And so I was caught up in this deception, this, this sin that was feeding my flesh, that was dragging me away from the will of God. And uh, the thing about this is the more you feed an appetite, you know what it does? It doesn't shrink, it actually grows and it gets bigger. And so I was still probably trying to do enough to, I mean, I didn't want to go to hell when I died. But I also... I look back, and, and the more I look back now at what I was caught up in, a lot of deception, a lot of sin. Vegas, six times in one year. What am I doing in Vegas? Sin, 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 sin. Feeding my flesh. Whatever sounds good, whatever feels good, feeding my appetites for what I thought would be fun. And you know where all that fun got me? Broke. Miserable, lonely, hurt the people closest to me. And so in that place, you know, the the enemy took me so far with my sin that he had me believing. And this is where the enemy wants to take all of us. He, He will have you believing. You messed up so bad that... Maybe God will forgive you, but you know what? No one else will ever trust you. No one else will ever love you. No one else will ever forgive you. So you can forget about ever being used by God for his purposes. You can forget about ever being used to make a difference because you have disqualified yourself because of the decisions you made. And so I prayed to God for forgiveness, but I thought there's no way God could ever use me like this. I, I messed up too bad. I, I, I hurt the people closest to me too much. And I cried during worship, so I thought I wasn't gonna cry again. <laughs> And in that place of brokenness, of of being a sinner, of being a heathen, you know what? I experienced God's saving grace. I did nothing to deserve it. I experienced his saving grace. God met me in those moments. And so what I started doing, I started filling myself up with the truth. I started filling myself up with the word. Daily getting in the word of God, daily reading my Bible, daily listening to sermons on podcasts, daily praying to God and not missing that time with God. 
And as I sought God, you know what happens every time you seek God? Anytime you make room in your life, you put room on your calendar for God, you know what's gonna happen? He's gonna be there. Wherever you give God space, he will come into that area. He he does. He honors his word. So anytime you seek him, you will find him. So as I was seeking God and I was making room for God and I was looking to him and I was asking him to guide me, God showed up and I started growing spiritually. And then after a while, as I was, as I was daily reading my word, you know, God's like, you need to do something with this. And I remember a pastor told me one time, he said this, he said, saved people serve people. And I was thinking, what, what, what am I doing? Like, I'm not, I'm not mobilized into action. I'm just feeding myself. And I, I still remember, it was the morning before Thanksgiving, and I read that verse in Matthew. I was in prison and you visited me and I literally go online and I Google prison ministry and I fill out the application. Next couple weeks later, I'm at a training to to be able to go into prison and visit people. And it was one next step that God had on my faith journey because he wanted me to do something with my faith. So I start serving at church. I get a, the Holy Spirit works a a heart in me to serve at the local church. And so in this season, what am I doing? I'm, uh, I'm praying, but I'm also volunteering. I'm worshiping, but I'm also working. My, my, my belief, that what I believed moved into my behavior. Did you know you can see faith? There's this, there's this wonderful story where four people carry a paralytic to Jesus. You know, they, 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 get, they go up on the roof and they break through the roof and they put the man in front of Jesus. And it says that Jesus saw their faith. He saw their faith. You can see faith. And so in that season of, oh, my, my spiritual disciplines were strong, but was that all that God had for me? Just my mornings of, of seeking God? No, he wanted me to mobilize my faith, activate my faith by doing, by going, by serving. And, you know, our church is... Uh, does such a good job. There are, there are so many people in our church that do this every single Sunday. I think of people about like Sheila. I think about people like Deb. Uh, uh, the list could go on and on. But you know what they do? They serve back there, maybe in family kids, a lot of them in family kids, sometimes on the safety team. They serve where they're doing, they're working. They're using their time, their talents to serve the church. And then what do they do? They stay another service and they come in here and they worship. And then they sit under the teaching of their word two services. Yeah, they're here for two services on Sunday morning. They're not paid to do it. They're, they're part of the dream team, but they do both. They, they, they serve and then they, they get the spiritual as well. They work and they worship. It's yes and yes. That's why I, I love our church. You know, my dad, Pastor Curtis, he's spiritual, but he's also practical. And that's how Jesus wants us to be. He will push you to go deeper spiritually. He will push you to read your Bible. He will push you to pray. He will push you to join in 21 days of prayer, 20, uh, fasting. He'll talk about spiritual warfare. He'll talk about spiritual gifts. He'll, he'll, he'll push you to grow deeper spiritually. But at the, other, at, at, at the same time, we will say, what, what are you doing to, to love your neighbor? Hey, here's a meal train. Why don't you sign up and bring a meal to someone that's in need? Hey, here's an opportunity. Uh, you can donate and you can make a difference. Hey, serve day is coming up. Do you want to go out and serve our community? Hey, we're working on a parade float. Who wants to help with a parade float? So it's both. 
It's the spiritual and it's the practical. It's the belief and it's the behavior. It's yes and yes. People today, they need a living faith. We serve a living God and we need a a living faith. Three ways to have a living faith. Number one, a living faith with words. A living faith with words. And, And this is what some of you need to do. Some of you need to tell your story. You need to tell your story. You need to tell your story of what Jesus has done for you. Because yes, people will see your life, but uh, they're also gonna hear your words. So some of you, you need to tell your story. You need to speak up, you need to share, you need to invite, and you need to have a living faith with the words that you use to proclaim what God has done for you. Talk about the redemptive story that God has worked in your life. Redemption is such a beautiful story. His grace holds us now. The chains are gone. We are now healed. We are now set free. He picks us up out of the mud, out of the muck and the mire, and he puts us on a solid rock. And, And the reason some of you are hesitant to share your story is because you think, well, I'm still a work in progress. That's every single one of us. We're all a work in progress. And the reason some of you won't tell your story is because you think, well, I don't wanna be the hero. You know, I'm not really a spotlight person. You are never the hero of your story. You know who is always the hero of your story? Jesus, Jesus. We're just pointing to Jesus and we're saying, this is what Jesus has done for me. A living faith with words that speaks up, that tells of the goodness of God, that praises God and tells their story. Number two, a living faith with works. A living faith with works. This is, some of you need to join the dream team. Some of you need to come the next class, next Sunday during the 11 o'clock service and find a spot on the dream team. Some of you, you, you were on the dream team, but you've kind of stepped back and you need to find a new role on the dream team and start, working out your faith by, by serving. We got at the movies right around the corner. That means we're gonna go to four services. We need some more members on the dream team so we can pull off full services for all, four services for all the people that are gonna be coming. Find a spot on the dream team, volunteer. Find a need, meet a need. Maybe, maybe you need to, to work by making the donation. Maybe you need to work by signing up for the meal train. Maybe you need to go across the street to that neighbor that you've disconnected with or, or maybe you haven't talked to in a while and just to say, hey, let's, uh, let's get together and have some barbecue. You know, if you ask God, God, what is, the, what is the work that you want to do with my hands? Did you know that he'll show you? He will show you the person in your life that you need to reach out to. And maybe it's writing him a note, sending him a gift card. Maybe it's giving him a hug and saying, hey, I got time if you just wanna talk, I could just listen. Maybe it's saying, hey, just, just let me take the kids and, and go and have that time that you need. God will, he will, he will show you the, the, the step here. A living faith that works, that serves, that uses our hands and feet to love people in Jesus' name. And then lastly, number three, a living faith that worships. A living faith that worships. It says, God, here's my life. I offer myself to you as a living sacrifice, pleasing, holy, acceptable to you. God, just prepare me. Make, make me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. And just offering yourself. God, uh, I don't want to do things my own way. I want to do things your way. And so my skills, my abilities, my gifts, my talents, my time, my resources, my attention, my focus, uh, it's yours. Did you know if you, if you pray that prayer, then right around the corner, God is about to blow you away with what he's gonna do in your life. That's, what he, that's my story. 
Never would I imagined my life would have gone the way that it's gone. And it's all because of the saving grace of God, the sustaining grace of God, and the, the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, it says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Whatever the gift is. Some of you have the gift of hospitality, which is why we have food out so people can come to church on Sunday morning and they can get some food and they can get some coffee and they can have their kids taken care of so they can come in here and they can be in the presence of the living God and worship and people pouring out their hearts to him so they can hear the teachings of God's word because God wants to speak to them and God wants to do something in their life. And God will use a Sunday morning to do that, to get their attention, to draw them, to remind them of the truth, to show them a revelation that maybe they've been missing, to help them step out of what they've been living in. And some of you just need to take a step. Can I tell you something? Every time I get up on the stage, I metaphorically take a step. I take a step out of the doubt and the shame and the worry that, that weighs on me, and I step into God. I'm, I'm stepping into your purpose. It's a, you, you take a step out of God. What if there's, there's what ifs, there's I'm inadequate, there's I'm not good enough, and you just take a step anyway and say, God, I'm trusting you. Some of you need to take a step. And you know what? It's not just a one-time thing. It's a step today, and it's a, it's a step on Monday morning, and it's a step on Saturday morning, and it's a step next Sunday morning, and it's that, it's giving God your trust. Matthew 5, 14, we're finishing with this. It says, you are like light for the whole world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a bowl. Instead, it is put on the lampstand where it is. gives light for everyone in the house. In the same way, your light must shine before people so that they will see the good things you do and praise your Father in heaven. It's yes and yes. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for these minutes and moments that we share. Lord, I pray for the person under the sound of my voice that they need to make a decision for you. They are feeling uh, that, that, that pull, Lord. They are feeling your spirit drawing them to give their life to you. They want to put their full trust in you. It takes saying a prayer to God and it's saying, Lord Jesus, I put my trust in you. I ask for forgiveness from my sins. I believe that you are the Lord of heaven and earth. And I say, be the Lord of my life. I want your ways, not my own. And if you pray that prayer, you're saying yes to Jesus. You're beginning a relationship with him. You're taking a step out of your own path and into the path that Jesus has for you. And that is a life that is full of purpose and meaning. And it's not easy. It is difficult. But it's so fulfilling. And it's what you were made for. It's what you were made for. Lord, I pray that each of us will will be led by your spirit, Lord, and that we will have the, the faith that we need to walk out the, the lives that you have for us, Lord. Lord, help us to be led by your spirit. Help us to be led and reminded by your word. And we thank you, Lord, that we are the light around us. Speak to us and show us all that you have for us and help us to live life surrendered to you. I'll thank you for revival in our communities. Thank you for healing and freedom in our relationships and in the lives of those that we live next to. We ask this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said...